You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season one. It's episode 47. And this one, Crowley, we are calling it Ian is Golden. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. 530 to 10 on 670 The Score. Of course, your radio home for all Cubs baseball games with the great Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer and Zach Saban. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how are you? I'm doing a little better than the Philly Fanatic today. Um, You can follow me (laughs) at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us at FlyTheW670 on Twitter and Instagram. FlyTheW on Facebook. And you can email us at FlyTheW at 670.com. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. Rate and subscribe. Absolutely. Also, before we uh, get into that Philly Fanatic comment, Crawley, we're calling this one Ian is Golden because for the first time in a long time, a Cubs outfielder has gotten a gold glove. And if I'm right, this is the first time a left fielder has ever won a glove, golden glove for a Cub. That is correct, sir. Um, Ian Happ, what, what a 2022 season Ian Happ had, you know. The knock on him was he was never able to put together one full season, you know. And he was never known for, for his defense. And, and that's not really entirely his fault. He, you know, was moved around a lot as, as a, a young player, you know, trying to fit in with that core that won the World Series. And so that he was selected to his first All-Star game this year. He was, you know, selected by his players, you know, which, you know, the players, which was a real honor. And yeah, first Golden Glove for his defensive work and left. First Cub to ever win a left uh, a Gold Glove for their work and left. He joins Bob Eater in 1984, center fielder. And then Andre Dawson, 87 and 88, and Jason Hayward, 2016 and 2017, as outfielders pick up gold gloves. Those guys did it in right. So absolutely awesome for Ian and just a tremendous amount of work that he put in. Yeah, very happy for him. He's a friend of the station. He's on with uh, Dan Bernstein and Layla and Lawrence once a week. He was on after winning the award. Uh, Very humble guy. Uh, thanked all the right people. You remember when uh, he got sent down to the minors, and uh, it's, he's come a long way in the last handful of years. Yeah, according to Sahad of Sharma from The Athletic, uh, Hap studied his previ- previous defensive numbers, and he consulted with former teammate John Jay, who was an outfielder that you know had a very good MLB career, especially defensively, and was a teammate with uh, Ian on the Cubs. And uh, they formulated a plan with uh, Coach Willie Harris to get better reads and run sharper routes. And you absolutely saw that this year. Uh, Hap led all National League left fielders with 13 defensive runs saved. Uh, he had 14 defensive runs saved overall, 13 in left, and he played a couple games in center, so one in center. And that ranked seventh among all MLB outfielders. So if you ranked defensively all the MLB outfielders, he came in seventh, which is great. 13 defensive run saves in left, led the National League, and was second only to Cleveland, Stephen Kwan, 21, among all left fielders. So he was the second best left fielder defensively. Not only that, he had eight assists from left field, which ranks third to Tommy Pham and Jerickson Profar. So just defensively, you know, you, you see just what a difference that – I mean, it wasn't, the, it wasn't even like I was looking at the same player anymore. I can't even imagine the amount of hours he put in to get – to improve that much in left field. Yeah, he was awfully, awfully good. Played a bunch of his highlights, defensive highlights, and and you thought, oh wow, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh wow, I mean, there were there were a lot of really great calls by Pat and Ron on six seventy the score, highlighting what a great year Ian had out and left. And I didn't realize Crowley he played in one hundred and fifty eight games last year. 
Yeah, unbelievable. And, and that was the issue of, 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 you know, being consistent, being the durability. Uh, he slashed 271, 342, and had a 440 slug, 155 hits, 42 doubles, 17 home runs. He led the team in both runs and RBIs, b- both at 72 on that one. So uh, Ian picked a really great year to have, you know, his best year as a pro. Uh, Absolutely. He- <laughs> now, I don't know if I was out of line by saying this, Crowley, but I think I think the Cubs have to at least keep the phone lines open on him, right? I mean, he's never going to have a higher value than he does right now. Yeah, and, and you look at it two ways. You know, number one, he's going to have – he's worth a lot on the trade market. And number two now, all of a sudden he uh, – you know, he may be a, a centerpiece that you want to build around here. Um, he's in. Well, his I'm going to ask you, Crowley, right away. I, but cut you off. I, do, do you feel that this is sustainable? Do you think he's just coming into his own, or was last year as good as it's going to get and be very difficult to duplicate? It's a hard question to answer. I mean, you know, and, and I'm just, you know, as you think about it, it's, it's always been the question of the, the defense was never there. So, I mean, if he put in that work and he earned that, I mean, that's, that's says something right there, but you know, offensively, can he keep it going? You know, that would, that would be, it'd be great. And I think it would help if he had some other guys around him as well. If you want him to keep sustaining this, it, it would be help. It would help if he's protected. So um, I, I hope so. I mean, this is his final year of arbitration, right? He beat the Cubs in arbitration in 2021, which was a rarity. I mean, I don't remember if the Cubs ever lost an arbitration case prior to that. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of 2023. So we went over Jed's um, – we, we played clips of the season-ending press conference that he had, mm-hmm. and he talked about extensions for Happ and Nico Horner, and they said hopefully they would get across the finish line. Now, keep in mind – Ian is 28. He's only six days older than Seiya Suzuki, who signed a five-year, $85 million contract last March. So, you know, I mean, $85 million is not, you know, earth-shattering, I would say. But uh, if Ian would, you know, be offered that, it'd, you know, be a pretty good offer, I would say. And I don't think it's, it's, it's one that absolutely prohibits you from making more moves. No, no. I mean, and I think he'd be clicking his heels. Uh, if he was offered an $85 million guaranteed deal from the Cubs. I think he likes it here. Uh, I think he likes Chicago. I think he loves playing at Wrigley Field. I think he'd be thrilled to get a five- or six-year $85 million deal. Right, and so so the question the question here now then is, is center field, and I don't know if anyone in the minors is going to be ready to start that in April. But, you know, if you got Ian and he can have that kind of season, and if say has a better season, which I'm expecting – you know, hopefully you can you can solidify the, those outfield spots and, and and that'll look good. But, you know, let that, me that's ask the, you, Crowley, would you consider since he did have some center field background, would you consider buying an outfielder or as we've talked about many times, the Cubs have a ton of outfield depth in the minor league system. Would you be comfortable with one of those guys playing left and having Ian go to center? No, the guys that we have that are, that are <laughs> no. the guys that we have are coming up at center field. I mean, he can do it. He, Ian can play center. It's just, you know, we're going to talk about the World Series, man. But it's it's defense. You know what I mean? It's defense. That, that's, re, you know, people always think about the 2016 Cubs and they think about the big hits, but they forget about what a great pitching and and one of the best defensive teams the Cubs ever had. 
Right. And, and, and I just think that center field is such a key position that you can't, I don't like the idea of just, you know, Ian wasn't a natural outfielder just in general, you know, he played infield in the minor leagues as well. And I just, I, I need a guy that in my opinion knows exactly what he's doing and what makes, you know, they talked about Ian and working on his route running. That's just a huge part of it. If you, if you can read the ball off the bat and be there right when the ball, you know, it's just, when you see a guy take a bad route, it's just like the worst thing to look at. And, and, and you take a look at a guy that's as great an outfielder as Jason Hayward is, was in his career. And you saw how difficult it was to just be like, okay, play center. You know, I just feel like that's not a position that you can just, like drop somebody in and hope that it works out. I, you know, I, I need a guy when I, we we've talked to a lot of the minor league guys on this podcast. We've had a lot of great guests um, and, and I, we've had a lot of pitchers on as well. And, and, you know, the one thing I always talk to them about is just the amazing outfielders. And, and that's the thing is that those guys just love because they throw a ball and all of a sudden they look back thinking it might be extra bases and there's PCA or Brennan Davis or whoever with the ball in their glove. It just makes a huge difference. It just helps everything, especially your pitcher. So I, I would say that, no, I'm, I'm not, I don't think the guys, I don't think PCA is ready. I don't think Brennan Davis is ready. Uh, those are the two guys that are probably closest to the surface. Uh, Alexander Canario, we talked about his injury issues. I don't think anybody's ready to come up and play right now. Owen, Owen Casey, we talked about last time. He's very, very young, um, you know, so he's still got some development to do. Uh, there's some other guys that are interesting, but I, I just don't think I really want to go into the season rolling on that. Right, 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 right. All right, let's uh, let's also, Crowley, talk about Nico Horner, who did not even get nominated for a gold glove for his work at shortstop. Yeah, we were so excited for Ian that we kind of forgot to mention, you know, Nico, he impressed everybody just, I think, just as much as Ian Happ. You know what I mean? And that obviously shortstop is a premium defensive position. And and the fact that he wasn't even nominated, but neither was Francisco Lindor. You know what I mean? It's it's you're, you're shaking your head sometimes with these gold glove awards. And, and Ian, you know, he was going up against, uh, Christian Yelich, which I talked about, is how the hell do the words Golden Glove and Ian and, and Christian Yelich fit in the same sentence? Uh, I don't even know it. So it, I, I sometimes with Rowling, I get kind of like I try to figure out like, are these guys looking at like advanced metrics or what? What are they? What are they looking at? I don't even know. So I mean, I think Nico just absolutely was one of the best shortstops. I don't. I, I wouldn't say he needed to win it. I was just surprised. I would have been shocked if he won it. But I was also very surprised that he wasn't even in the running as the top, one of the top three. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to say. But uh, I think, Dustin, you've brought up the point a lot of times that sometimes it looks like Nico is such a max effort guy, you know? Right. I, I think if Nico ends up over at second base next year, this time next year we might be having that conversation of him as a gold glove caliber second baseman. But I personally would not have had him in the uh, top three, not even maybe top six shortstops in the national league but that's just me i mean that doesn't mean i don't like him that doesn't mean i don't want him to be a cub i just don't think he's um a, a gold glove caliber shortstop i mean based on what what are you going off of there just the the idea that it looks like he takes every ounce of effort to do it and i think um other guys just make it look easier than he does he makes every play look awfully awfully tough 
Right, but I mean the numbers are the numbers, right? And right. So the numbers we, are we, the numbers, right? The numbers are the numbers, right? I, you know, I sometimes I'm more of an eye test guy than a than a numbers guy. I, the numbers, of course, have a place. There's no doubt about that. But when I am in doubt, I'm going to use the eye test, and he just doesn't. He just doesn't scream Gold Glove shortstop to me. Okay, so I'm going to go right now. I'm looking at fan graphs, okay? okay. And uh, fan graphs, I'm looking at shortstops and, and defensive runs saved. So that's the amount of runs saved at the position. Number one is uh, Miguel Rojas in defensive runs saved uh, at 15. Um, second is Jeremy Pena from Houston. You see him in the World Series right now, 12. Number three, Jorge Mateo from Baltimore at 14. And then uh, Nico Horner is your fourth in MLB in defensive run saved with 11. Right. So, I mean, if you want to, if that's, if that's the key, then of course he should be in it. Cause you're obviously talking about MLB and they award gold gloves in both the American league and national league at all the positions. So who, where, where are the next group Crawley? Where, where are the next group of, the, of those guys? Are they AL guys or NL guys? Uh, they're, they're mixed. Uh, shocking. Danby Swanson, who we've talked about as a potential shortstop is at eight. Uh, Xander Bogarts was at 11. Carlos Correa was at 12. Trey Turner was at negative one defensive run saved. Yeah. So just and to would kind you of rather, and, and would, you know, would you rather have Trey Turner or would you rather have Nico Horner? <laughs> I, I just know what I watch. You know what I, I mean? Again, you can, these numbers are these numbers, right? Right. The, the right, numbers right. are and, and, and the numbers don't lie. They're not making it up. Nobody's doctoring the books or anything like that. I just, you know, you kind of make my case for me. Would you rather have Turner or would you rather have Nico? Well, you know, but when I think of Turner, or I think of also everything that he brings offensively or, or whether Carlos Correa and those guys, I'm looking at the complete package, right? I'm not looking right. at one, just the defensive part right, of the it. The one which is part what the, of it, right. Which is right, what the which, gold glove is supposed to be all about. Yeah, and that, that's where I kind of look at it. And I, that's why, like I said, I, I, I wouldn't say that I would have given Nico the Golden Glove. I just can't believe that the year that he had, that he wasn't even nominated. 